We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. Welcome to the Working Artist Project. I'm your host this week, Noah Jackson, and with us is special guest Darian Douglas. And we're going to have a conversation about his recent trip to South Africa. Our conversation zigs and zags and goes in many different directions, but you'll get a basic impression on what his thought process was and his insight into the motherland and his pilgrimage. So without further ado, Darian Douglas. What's happening, Noah? What's happening? So recently, you've been on a journey, if you will, to well, South Africa, I yes? Like, I like to call it my pilgrimage. Your pilgrimage. Explain. Yeah. Well, people would, would ask me, like, you know, why are you going to Africa, you know? And for me, I was like... I the whole continent? Well, well, you know how it is. People people don't... they First thing, like, where are you going to Africa? Oh, okay. And then, then why are you going there? They don't really think about Africa as different mm-hmm. uh, countries or whatever. So I went to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And in South Africa, I went to Cape Town. Mm, Cape Town. And I went to a little village outside of Cape Town also, but... Which village is that? I think it was called Sears. Sears. I can't really. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyhow, you asked me about the, the pilgrimage. And, yes. And for me, it was a pilgrimage because I was going back to a place that was stolen from my ancestors and stolen from me, you know, in the 1400s. That was the earliest. that I don't know exactly when. So mm-hmm. we'll say 400, 300 years ago or whatever. And so it was like. Uh, Muslims go to Mecca was and I felt like that was my journey to Africa you know like I decided in 2015 that I was going to take a trip to Africa and I put it on my vision board amongst uh, a slew of other things and the opportunity came and and it uh, you know came into fruition for me yeah now you know you're preparing (laughs) for this trip you know and you know you're buying the plane ticket you're already like I almost feel like when you buy a plane ticket, you are already on the trip from that moment, right? right. And I, and you and uh, I'm certain most of you who you know are out and about, uh, you have a certain emotion or feeling that kind of arises when you actually are on that trip. So tell me, what was your feeling when you first stepped foot off the plane? Man, honestly, I wanted to kiss the ground. Because, like, we landed in Johannesburg, and I was like, damn. Like, I, it was unbelievable. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm from yeah. Mississippi, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never, no one in my family, if they were in, outside the military, left Mississippi. Or if they did, they didn't go very far. Maybe New Orleans or Atlanta or something like that. But never even out of the country, you know. And, and at this point in our careers, we've been all over the world, right? Right. And so, I decided I didn't want to wait for uh, a work opportunity or a gig to go to Africa you mm-hmm. know i felt like it was time for me to go so that i could know so that i could be informed of what was taken so i could really understand and so anyway i i arrived there and i was like damn i just wanted to like like everyone around me was magical you know like all mm-hmm. the black people i saw who weren't taken who aren't descendants of slaves we're just like I was like, damn, that's just some mad. It was just magic to me, man, and I, it was just unbelievable. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't, I could barely contain myself, man. To be honest with you, you know. Now and, walk uh, me through. Okay, you're you're going down the corridor. You're going out the exit, and you smell the air, right? Tell now, tell me what you did, like your feelings well, and what you did, like the that first hour. 
The first hour? That first hour, yeah. In Johannesburg? Well, we kind of... Well, I mean, or uh, let me rephrase that because I know, like, going down to South Africa, you got to go to Joburg first before you go anywhere else. Right, right. So, so, so Cape, Town? Cape Town, when you got to okay. Cape Town, like, so, tell me how that, that was, that right. first hour in Cape Town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hectic, actually. Uh, so we, we rented an Airbnb, uh, Shadia and I, and we meet the Airbnb guy. And mm-hmm. he, he's, uh, I guess he's Asian. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know what part of the world somewhere in Asia and, and mm-hmm. super nice guy and he's like shows us the, the the place super quick and then he's like okay you need a sim card you know and so I'm like okay I guess I need a sim card like you know I'm convinced I'm just kind of like hungry you know how it is man it's like mm-hmm. a, you travel for 20 hours but mm-hmm. you're in Africa so you're wide awake you're like full of energy mm-hmm. and uh, so we go through this whole ordeal like we go to this one shop but the guy doesn't have sim cards you know mm-hmm. speaking arabic or whatever then we go to the other shop with some african guys they look east african to me you know mm-hmm. and it's funny how you could tell that from just knowing people and traveling you can kind of tell you know, the bone structure is different sure. complexion and there's and, a certain there's a certain vibe that you can kind of right. pick up you might not be able to put your finger on it but it's like oh wait this is some right. something different it was different right yeah so anyway the, the guy's are really nice and they they they're putting the sim card in my phone and you know, I have an iPhone, so it's not really working. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, is your phone unlocked? I'm like, no, my phone's not unlocked. You guys, don't worry, it's going to work. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, that's going to be, you know, uh, 500 real or whatever. And I was mm-hmm. like, damn, how much is that? I nothing. hadn't even had time to like, re- it's nothing, right? Nothing. Yeah. But I haven't had time to really calculate or even look at the exchange rate. I, I hadn't even gone. Usually, when, you know how it is. You go mm-hmm. to a place and you're like, all right, what's the exchange rate? I'm winning, you know? Right, right, but right. But I, I didn't, I'm just kind of like in this just like a uh, fog of excitement and mm-hmm. just like, oh, wait, I'm in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. It's damn. So, and then I'm kind of annoyed because we're in here for a long time. It's hot. There's no AC. So, you, you know, and I'm like, okay, I want to get some water. It's not working. They won't let me not let it work because they want to make this money. Then they put it in Shadia's phone. It doesn't work in her phone. So, you know, we're in there for 30, 45 minutes. And finally, you know, we give up. I'm like, look, man, don't worry about it is chill we'll work it out and so we go back to the to the room and we only hang there for a little bit and then we go over to long street you know about, yeah you long, know about long street, street. I, uh uh did now now for everyone who doesn't know long street is uh well you tell me what, what was long street to you long street reminded me because i lived in new orleans for a long time so it reminded me of the french quarter you know mm-hmm. except the buildings were a little higher like the the balconies mm-hmm. were a little taller but and we get there before the party starts so we get there i don't know 6 30 to eat dinner seven and, mm-hmm. and we i think the name of the place was mama africa yeah this place you know this place i it's do really know this good, place right? yeah and so they have a band in there is yeah it's it's the place it's kind of almost like a mall right like it's it's a it's like a long corridor or no 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 it's the um almost like a club Right, like it's a, it's a, it's the club. One of the they have um, on Long Street. They have many different types of clubs and with different types of music. You have funk music. You might have jazz music or fusion. This place was African though. It was it was more like a um, restaurant with a club section. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. If, I, know, I remember this one. Yeah, and there's like a little. Uh, there's a guy in there selling it, like selling like you know touristy kind of uh, gifts and sure. stuff and stuff like that. It was a vibe, man. So mm-hmm. but anyway. We didn't have a reservation. We had to wait because it's one of the most popular places on the street. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're kind of milling around. We take a walk to, like, kind of just see what's popping. Like, you know, it's like, what's going on? Like, okay, cool. Like, and I'm like, man, wow, like, all these people. And then also you have this American thing where everyone's telling you, be careful. 
don't do this. You know, like the guy at the Airbnb don't take more than two hundred, whatever, which mm-hmm. isn't a lot of money, which is yeah. like you know fifteen dollars in USD or something. And mm-hmm. it's, I think their exchange rate was what, like twelve to one, or it was like seventy six cents. So I got like thirteen bucks and something back or whatever. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. For seventy six cents in USD, you get like thirteen of their dollars or close to it at the time. Hmm. So it was pretty. It was generous. For very, us, you know? very, very generous. And uh, anyway, so we're in there and we walk down the street. We're kind of checking everything out, checking out the vibe. We're like, man, wow, it's kind of the streets kind of getting more live, you know? And we're mm. like, oh, it's going to be interesting after dinner, you know? Sure. So finally, we go in there. We watch the music. We go back to the restaurant. We check out the music, man. I actually have some clips of it. Uh, maybe I'll play it a little later in this conversation for in in anyway it's amazing so the girls like singing without a microphone there's there's a whole band with these instruments in africa they look like a marimba to me but it's not you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. and so there's three of them there's a drummer and then there's two singers and these singers are dancing and they're like singing like you know african melodies and like you're just like damn man, this is great and the food's smelling good and you just you know i'm just excited I'm just like damn okay so we sit we eat, everything's chill. Get back to Long Street, and it's just a party, and it's like Bourbon Street, you know? Mm-hmm. Like people are spilling out of every club, every door where there's music coming out. There's like food, and all types of food African food, American food, like, you know, a lot of Asian food, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a really good experience, a really good first night, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, man, that, that, that was like our first few hours there, I would say. How long did it take you to adjust to uh, people driving on the other side of the street? I didn't. <laughs> and, I mean, it's not my first time experiencing that, but right. it, it's always a, that's always a weird experience. It's always, it's always weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't even matter how many times you've been to London or wherever. Right. Like it, it, you don't quite get used to the orientation, do you? No. <laughs> no, it's, and you know what it is? It's when they take a left turn. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, ah, like you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just always or when they have to cross you know how they weirdly they cross the street mm-hmm. but it seems like traffic is coming right right at you anyway right but so so uh in all how long were you down in seven days man. seven days seven days in the in on the continent mm. like you know you learn little things like that people say you know the continent and i didn't i learned that on the airplanes so i was listening to this podcast uh with this african guy and he was talking about nigeria and how to improve it and how to pr- improve the continent as a whole and stuff. And so I was like, the continent? Wow, I never thought about that. Okay. It's so the continent. Like, you know, that's how they include everybody in Africa, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, uh, it, for, for those of you who uh, don't know this, you know, South Africa has a very rich, not only cultural diversity, but ecological diversity. Uh, one of the, wonders of the world is actually right there in the middle of the city called table mountain do you get a chance to go there i didn't i did, i want to backtrack because people might not know what what's happening i don't know what you, you are or aren't going to say in your or have said because mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be after this but mm-hmm. the reason noah is qualified or the reason i wanted to have this conversation with noah is because you've been in south africa many times because you played or you play or you have played with uh hugh mazakeva and abdul ibrahim and a, see, y'all need to go ahead and check that out because it's deep, man. And I and I, w- I was telling Noah earlier that I was in a slave museum, mm-hmm. and uh, and I saw all of these dudes that you play with being like, you know, like they were a part of the movement or the struggle, as people in South Africa call it. And I'm talking about apartheid, 
and their music propelled the movement so to speak you know and and the interesting part about that is that there there's still a cultural there's still some of a divide that that's there in plain sight yeah did you get a chance to see that aspect uh in cape town what do you mean the the just the um, you know how gentrification is here where you oh. can kind of tell like okay. there's <laughs> there's some underlying I, forces that well, are happening around you for sure man yeah to me that was probably one of the most depressing things to see to notice uh who had what job mm-hmm. you know and and people may who haven't been to africa especially south africa may not know this but uh the slave trade in africa happened it was it was like an asian thing so it was like asia to africa so there's a lot of Asian people in, in, I mean, like the brown Asians, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so those people have certain jobs. And then the colonizers, the Dutch, they have certain jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the. And, and, and in South Africa, there there's a class of people called the Boers. Uh, they're Dutch and like German. So they have their own thing distant from. Europe in and of itself too, so they have kind of their own right. little identity rebel, right. right? And so you know, and then the, the Africans have their jobs. You know, like some people are EMTs, some people are waiters. Yeah, and is you know, especially in the city of Cape Town, it's like very apparent mm-hmm. of the caste or like who you know, you're black, you need to do this, and and the you know, it it it, it was kind of hard to digest. Mm-hmm. For me, coming into my own land mm-hmm. and seeing that uh, the colonizer, you know, has set up this system of oppression that still lasts after um, perfect racism, as uh, Trevor Noah calls it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. But so it was hard to kind of deal with that. Now, um, relating to your trip. I know uh, that when you go, when people go to Africa and South Africa, you know, there's a certain kind of expectation that they have about what they'll see and what they'll do. Uh, before I move on, because I know we can go chronologically as in a, each day, but I right. want to go by like your experience. Uh, what was your expectation? Okay, you, you, you arrived in Cape Town, you had your thing. It's almost like a cathartic thing, like you just want to be. Like amongst the people, like, right, I'm right. here. Hey, right, let's start my thing. Right. So, did you? What What were some things that you wanted to reflect on? What are some things you wanted to? What were some of the expectations you had uh, for your stay there? Well, going into the, to the trip, I didn't have any expectations mm-hmm. because I didn't want. You know how you build these things up in your imagination, you know, and then you get there. It's like before you go on a date, it's like, oh, man, this girl's fine, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's going to be super smart. We're going to talk about this. And then when she says this, I'm going to say that. <laughs> and then, like, you get there and it's completely. It's, it's almost like you're having a date with yourself in your head. Exactly. You you, you know, and you do the same thing when you have an argument. So you're going to have an argument with your roommate. You know, you ate mm-hmm. the last fucking peanut butter. And you're like, I'm going to say this. And then that motherfucker's going to say that. And then, you know, and then you get to it and it's a whole other situation. So I didn't want to put that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to put that on my trip because one, I didn't know. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to be brainwashed by my American culture 
You know what I mean? Because I know exactly in, what you mean. In America, we think of Africa as a certain thing, you know, of this like just place that's in disarray and with tigers and you know lions and and dictators and uh, uh, skinny Ethiopian kids and you know like you 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 have all of these, especially us growing up when we grew up. Like you know that the images they showed on TV of Africa were yeah. never positive. Right. There's always a stigma attached to it. Right. Even my own mother was like, be careful. It's dangerous over there. And I didn't say this to her, but I'm thinking, how do you know? Right. <laughs> like, how do you know, though? Because why, why, why didn't you tell me be careful in France or right, be careful? Right. I'm in Paris. You didn't say be careful. Yeah. But so, you know, I didn't know. So I didn't want to pretend that I knew. So I, I went into the situation super open, ready to experience uh, what Africa was and not put make it this imaginary thing in my mind you know right so uh day two day two so well man to be honest is this is gonna be hard for me because my brain doesn't necessarily work like that well let's just put this way what's the what was the next memorable thing you did after arriving well now i'm thinking day two so i think day two (laughs) the most the most memorable experience i had in africa well there's two and I'll say this one first, and then the, the this isn't the most, but this was a memorable experience because like I don't like boats, mm-hmm. so we went over to uh, Robin Island, you know, of course, and just because you know you, you go to and for, and Robin Island is where uh, Nelson Mandela was incarcerated for decades. Right, he was there for eighteen years, right? Yeah, and and so man, that's such a, a crazy experience because you go to the pier, you get on this little boat, you know, you get in line, and, and you're looking around. And you don't see nobody that looks like you. Mm. I'm like, damn, okay. So you get on a boat with people from all over the world, but just none, no black people really. I think we were the only two. And uh, and I don't know what to expect because, you know, I'm like, damn, he was over there. You know, I like Nelson, you know, we, we watched the movie of or course. whatever. And, and you know, and you get there and it's like, it's kind of like an underwhelming place, this mm-hmm. island, right? And there's penguins there. It's kind of it's kind of pretty. It's kind of ugly. It's it's like all of these mixed things. And then we're on, you take a bus mm-hmm. when you get there, you and they kind of drive you around and give you a tour of the island. And we had this uh, very interesting young lady who was our tour guide, who I couldn't tell who was angry or happy. She, <laughs> she kept telling us to smile, but when she would tell certain stories about the camp, she would get into like this deep emotional place, you know. Right. And so it was like the juxtaposition of of that was just kind of like, oh, well, how how am I supposed to feel right now? I don't really know. <laughs> and and the, you know the crazy thing I didn't realize about Robin Island, and I should have read something about like about this before, but I didn't, was that you get a tour after you got off the bus from a person who was in prison at the island. Oh man yeah so like your tour guide Yo. is a person who spent most of his life there they're living history right, exactly so this guy comes and he's telling us and he's showing us a cell first they take you into this big room well i don't want to say big but this room where multiple people were uh kept at once mm-hmm. and they show you the beds that they slept on and, and just so you guys know Nelson, for I think the first five years, didn't have a bed. Nope, it was illegal for prisoners to have a bed, so they just had cots, like, based which amounted to like these wool, scratchy looking blankets that they slept on the floor on. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. not exactly warm there. It, I mean, it's not. People think it's like 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 the Sahara, right? Like it's super hot, and right? But it's not goes, like that. But it's it's 
almost like uh like, like virginia yeah virginia or, or, or california some, like some some northern california weather right that was you, guys, you, get, you get some rain you get you know you right. got but it's it's pretty sunny yeah but, but it's, it's not still, it's not hot it's cool yeah so I could I could imagine these men being in that room and being kind of cold and they, they only had, you know, it's like one shared bathroom with multiple showers and this and that. But the most memorable thing about that particular room was the they show you this card and, you know, they got it blown up or whatever with the meals on it, mm. you know. So if you were black or colored, right, you get a certain amount of food. I think it was six ounces of meat or a, six ounces. Your meal had to weigh six ounces. But if you were Indian or Asian or white, well, first of all, there were no white people there. So if you were like Hindu or something, then you got 12 ounces. Mm. And, and see, this is what I meant by perfect racism because they didn't mm. leave anything out. They was like, okay, cool. We're going to be racist on everything. We're going to feed the prisoners less food mm. based on the color of their skin. Like that's deep when you think about it. Like who sat down and was like, hmm, let's about every every detail. Yeah. Like, ah, man, how can we be more racist? Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that, I mean, that, that that goes to show you how, like, how deep, how deep that that runs in that society at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. It's very. Or maybe was, even to this day, to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel well from the people there. Like, I didn't feel like they felt. At least not like it is in America. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm from Mississippi. So there were times in my life where I felt, you know, like, wait, wait a minute. This is racist. Something, sure. ra- you know, so you get on the defensive. I didn't feel like that. Like all the people were super warm mm-hmm. from the, the whole spectrum. Like everybody was really nice mm-hmm. and it was chill. So, but also I was only there for a week, dude. So I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know the, the inner workings of, or the dynamics of, uh, the, the racial system currently. Sure. But, but, but I'm just saying just going through just existing in the society for a limited amount of time mm-hmm. that was your that was your impression yeah um so yeah it's hard i mean you, you can't really make a sweeping statement right i can't it's like impossible but <laughs> yeah but just to get back to to robin island and, yeah, yeah. And so anyway we we take the tour and this guy's telling us all these you know personal stories of being there and people asking dumbass questions you know and it's like man like you know <laughs> Oh, was it? How did you? Was it hot when you were here? Like you know, just like, kind of like. Does it matter? Like think about your questions before you ask. You know, and, and uh, anyway, so he <laughs> he shows us uh, Nelson's cell, mm-hmm. and and I think Nelson was a big dude. You know, he was mm-hmm. tall, and this cell, bro. You, I don't think you could lay down mm-hmm. with your legs stretched out in this cell. Next time you go, you should go over there and check it out. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of deep to see, and then I was like, man, Nelson Mandela had to be the baddest dude on the planet because, you know, he fought for his people. They jailed him in these inhumane conditions. Mm-hmm. Then he convinced them to let him out to be the president. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, right. Wow. Like, that's like that's crazy, man. Yeah. You know? That's an incredible amount of just, like, inner... You have to have inner peace right? to, like, not let your circumstance dictate your determination to make things better for your people. Exactly. Now, um, after the tour. So this is a funny part of the trip. You know, after the tour, you got, you got to head back. We head back to the main, the mainland or whatever. And so there's a tropical storm happening. I didn't know that, man. I don't really like boats, man. Mm-hmm. And, and so 
That's if, the second time you mentioned that. <laughs> don't put this man in the boat. Don't I, look unless the gig is paying a whole lot of money, man. Don't call me for no boat gig. But, you heard it here first, right? So, <laughs> anyway, so you know, it's where the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic meet down. So this water is like some of the roughest water in the, in the world, anyway, right? Yeah, this in general. So, man, we're we're getting we're getting on the boat and first of all they put us on a smaller boat than we came in you know so the whole time like walking slowly like yo man that's my boat over there i'm on a big one you know like <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like nah man get on get on this one like you know this one's leaving now and i'm just like well but i came <laughs> you know? and so you get on the boat and already in the harbor you know the boat's shaky bro and it's shaky like shaky and you feel in every wave, huh? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> damn. I'm like thinking to myself, okay, I got to be chill. But it's like this This is already moving. Usually it's pretty calm in the harbor, right? Mm-hmm. So we get out there and immediately waves are as tall as buildings. And they're like smashing against the side of the boat. This little boat going to the right. Then there's a big wave in front. It's like going like 20 feet in the air. And the guy's like, Poof, and it's like hitting. And right when we're leaving out, he's like, it's going to get a little bumpy. You know, like, just like pilots do. It's like, there's going to be a look. They are yeah, all calm. Like, it's nothing. Right. And the guy in front of me has got back problems, right? He's, like, old, so he can't sit down. Oh. And then, like, water's coming in the boat. And it's, like, 30 minutes. We're, like, just in rough seas, man. Yeah. Like, we're just, like, going up. And people are, ah! <laughs> that sounds fun. Dude. So <laughs> that I, sounds fun to me. I don't know about you. No, dude, I was terrified. So, <laughs> 28 minutes into it, you know, I'm getting antsy. I'm like, yo, like, let's are pull we, up yeah <laughs> are we done yet are we here yet <laughs> so i'm like looking out of the the, the window you, you know of the i don't even know what you call the windows in the sure. boat but i'm like looking trying to look for familiar shit you know like because we passed <laughs> like dry land yeah like land <laughs> or something i know coming into the going when we were leaving i saw the the football stadium the mm-hmm. soccer stadium so i'm like looking for that you know mm-hmm. and finally i see the soccer stadium. I'm like okay god because man i was just about to throw up on like 10 people dude like, it was just coming to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm. And I was couldn't help but to think about my ancestors, you know, the ones who traveled for months on a boat, mm-hmm. who had never seen a boat, who had never been on a boat or heard the word boat, you know, yeah, and, and who were not sitting down in a comfortable chair, but laying below deck, who did not have a window to see if there was land, you know. In multiple storms. In multiple storms who were down there neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder with, you know, human ex- excrement everywhere. And you, you know what I mean? Like in the most inhumane conditions. So if they could put up with that, surely I could ride this boat for 20 minutes. And that's why I didn't throw up on nobody. I was going to say, that's why you're going to take boat gigs. <laughs> <laughs> you know that but yeah but it you know you appreciate you appreciate you know you appreciate the struggle and you appreciate what your ancestors went through for right. you to be here for sure 100 percent, man yeah 100 percent. now now on, on a little lighter note um <laughs> <laughs> switch gears on switch gears yes uh south africa is also known for their safaris yeah 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 man i i went on a safari and uh, I, I'll say this. It was nice, man. Like, it was in, like, this resort situation. And it was cool. It was really great. But at the same time, it was kind of lackluster, you know? Mm-hmm. I, but also, South Africa isn't the best place to go on safari. Like, no, it's not. I, I hear Kenya and some other places you should do it there. So if you're going to South Africa, skip the safari. 
Just and, go to Table Mountain instead. Yeah, go mm. to ta- go to Table Mountain, or <laughs> you know, you can do or the gold mines. Or the, oh, I didn't even know about that. See, that's why you should have called me first. Uh, the gold mines. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. but but um. So about the safari now. Uh, what did you see there? I mean, I saw everything, man. The big five. You know? The big five. Okay. Lions and uh, zebra and elephants, rhinoceros, hippopotamus, uh, mm-hmm. giraffes, and you know, I saw everything. Gazelles and all sorts of animals. I don't even know the name of. You know, yeah. everything was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just had a good experience just kind of being with nature. Yeah, it was cool. It it was definitely cool. I'll tell you the best part of Safari, though. It wasn't the animals. It was the stars. Oh, yeah. You know, coming from New York City, man, and me coming from the South and seeing, you know, stars. And then you come to New York Mm -hmm. City, you look up and you see two stars. You know, I might be Mm over-exaggerating, but it ain't that many. Right. And so then when you go there and you see the stars, man, because you're in the middle of nowhere and you look up and it's just like, oh. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's what people are missing in this city. Yeah, and 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 a lot of the Bushmen uh, from South Africa were actually the first astronomers, and they were able to f- they actually uh, discovered a lot of the quasars that we were just now like basically quote unquote discovering, uh, which they almost have no idea that existed, but. They were able to to see to see those out there, and 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 also South Africa is one of the most popular places for astro astro tourism, um, star tourism. Oh, really? Yeah, people who like to observe the stars and go to the observatory. It's a huge industry there. People go there to check out the stars because you have those unique angles from the southern hemisphere to look out into space. Mm. Yeah, man, I do want to back up in my journey because. It, it, there was there was something that happened. I think you said there was two profound moments. You mentioned like the less profound one. I want I want you to touch on like the one that really. Oh, you, you want me? Okay. So I, well, the most profound moment happened at the end of the trip, and uh, so we're at the beach. I, I can't remember which one. One of mm-hmm. them, you know. And you know we're walking, and it's getting kind of late. The sun's going down, so we're trying to find a place to eat. You know, on on the strip kind of just chill so we walked down we kind of okay we checked everything out and we're walking back so we crossed the street to the side of the street where everything was so we can pick a place and and we're walking past these vendors you know and i'm like man these okay yeah stuff's kind of cool and and you know we're just talking and i guess the guy hears uh my american accent and he stops me he's like my brother and i was like yo what's happening you know and immediately you know i'm from new york i'm not from new york i live in new york so i'm kind of like yo what's happening you know like you put that thing on so people don't try to rob you or whatever you know Mm -hmm. and so he was like welcome home my brother and then he hugged me you know Mm. and then i was like damn Mm. oh man thank you like i was like thank you man like i really mean like i don't know what your motives are right now but i'm going to assume they're genuine and positive because i'm giving you genuine thanks right now for extending the love now that wasn't the last time that that happened but that was the first time mm. in my trip so it happened it, it happened again and uh in a different place in a different part of the city cape town but to me that was like really deep man you know that was like really profound experience where i was just like wow okay they realized that we are stolen people you, you know what i mean Mm, stolen people so yeah that was that was crazy 
that was man so many so many great memories and and I, I everyone should go to africa man especially if you're a descendant of uh an african slave in america go check it out feel the vibe feel the vibe what what are what are um what's one thing that I think you touched on this a little earlier, but I, I guess you, I want you to kind of expand on this. What's something that was something that people expect about Africa that you that you did see in Cape Town? Man, that's a good question. You know, and I wow, what do people that I did see people expect? Um, I would say okay, that's a good question, man. One thing I saw that people do expect is poverty, mm-hmm. but I wasn't ready. I, you know, I've been to Brazil, man, and I've seen favelas and I've seen people in poverty before. Yeah. But when I saw my own people and not that people in Brazil don't look like me mm-hmm. because they do. Right. But for whatever reason, I'm in Africa and it hit me hard, man. Like I was like, oh, like this is a whole nother level of poverty because, as you know, in Cape Town, you're in the city and, you know, it's like New York City or any other city, you know, in the world. It's a, it's it's a, fine. It's a cosmopolitan right. area. It, it looks, it's like, it looks beautiful, right? It, and then you go a few, a few minutes outside of K-Town towards the airport and all of a sudden I see people living in stick houses with no running water. And you're like, wait a minute. And this is not outskirts. No, no, it's no. It's not no. like in, like. 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wait a minute. And then you see the people on the street who are asking you for money or not even money, food, man. Look, just give me food. That's When someone says that, I'm not even asking for money. I just want food. <laughs> right. You know, it's a whole nother, like, that was my first time experiencing poverty. Like, you know. On such a profound level. Yeah. And, so and, they and, hit me home. They don't. And, 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 and I think the expectation people have about Africa is poverty, but it's, but it's almost glamorized, right? right. In, in, in our society. Well, what we see is rural poverty. Right. Right. So for whatever reason, that's more digestible. Mm-hmm. But when you see wealth and then you see poverty of that degree, you know, rubbing elbows, it's, it's highly disturbing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, man, like, I just want to do, what can I do? That's what I'm thinking. How can I help this situation? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do I, how do I affect, how do I make a change? Like, how do I, what do, that's, these are the questions I'm asking myself the whole time. And those are the questions that I'm, I'm working on answering right now, you know, like going to volunteer. I'm going back. Sure. Not like I did last time, though. Not as a tourist, but as a helper. Like, how can I give? to somebody just even if it's just one person i gotta figure that part out you know sure and uh to to i guess juxtapose that what's one thing that you didn't expect one thing i didn't expect i went to africa not even south africa but i understood from the people that i talked to why they were conquered if that makes sense Hmm. Because these people, at least the people that I met and the vibe that I got was so welcoming, so friendly. Like I could see that they weren't used to fighting a certain type of war. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And so I think that they were more easily conquered because of that. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It's like because there's a certain level of generosity, right? There is a certain level of honesty. Like even I talk to this lady in the market. I'm like in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, buying gifts. My mom, my grandmother, my sisters. My of course, nephew, you got to. You know, doing the whole thing. Yeah. And so I come across this lady selling scarves. You know, she's she's probably uh, I don't know 60s, 70s, maybe mid 70s. You know, not too much younger than my grandmother, but mm-hmm. and. uh and she starts to talk about the struggle and she in reference to America and Donald Trump, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, OK. And she was like, see, what y'all got to do is what we did in the struggle and you got to come together. And I was like, well, in America, it's a little different because we have so many different uh, social orders, you know, so many different mm-hmm. racial backgrounds and so many different financial backgrounds that it's hard for us to come together on certain issues you know and, I was, and she was like nah y'all gotta do what we did and I was like okay and you, you know I don't know that that whole experience and the way that she talked to me about it made me think you know the interesting thing about about apartheid is that uh, it is as much a racial divide as it is as it was an economic divide right and I mean, obviously, you know, the civil rights movement, I mean, it's a similar vein, but it was even more glaringly apparent uh, down there because, you know, you have a majority black nation where basically almost 100 percent of the wealth was controlled by a ruling class of white people. And so that dichotomy definitely uh, created a, um, a unifying effect to shift that. Well, this is the thing, though. If you go to South to Cape Town now, it, there is you'll be hard pressed to prove to me that it's still not the same. Exactly. You, you know, I don't. Yeah. I, I think the signs went away, and you mm-hmm. know, some shit went away, but like the ec- economic oppression mm-hmm. is, is still alive, at least in Cape Town. Yeah, it's it's definitely obvious there. Yeah, it's certainly obvious. Yeah. Uh, uh I want to talk about the. Uh, the music there, I know. Oh, yeah. you're, I know you're. You know that was probably one of the things you wanted to really pick up on. What were some of your impressions? Man, it was funny because everyone, like every restaurant we went to, you know, or that once we happened to go to had like the waitresses or they had some kind of entertainment there. Either the waitresses were playing drums and singing, or they had a band, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to hear that music and to hear our own songs, our forgotten songs, and. Uh, the language and like just the general vibe you know and then to see the similarities you know mm-hmm. it's like you see somebody who looked like your cousin with an accent though you, you know what <laughs> I mean? she's singing sounding like whoever or he's singing sound like whoever and, and, and it's it, it was mesmerizing man to say the least but you know actually i have something why don't we i'll play it please Like those sharp 
movements that you're hearing, like, ch -ch -ch, those are like little things on the kid's feet, you know, like, then they, and, and they're, as they're dancing, it's making a sound, you, you know what I mean? Right. So, this, this was really That's beautiful. Yeah, man. And, you know, that was like one of the first things I saw. Like, I had so, saw some music the night before, which was really great also. Mm -hmm. But this was like the first representation of like African culture that I saw, you know. And you know, did you notice how like much of an influence that triplet is? Right, right, right. Because it's in six eight. Like everything's in six, right? Actually, and, and the, the cool part about that vibe is that you can, if you hear it differently, there's a different, or, or if you if you listen in a different way, there's like a a different meter. You can hear six eight, or you can hear like a big three. I heard one, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three, four. Uh, and it's all mixed in the same mm. fabric, the same rhythmic fabric. It's almost as if they're, it, I won't say improvising, but it's almost as if the rhythmic component mm. is equally important to the harmonic component. Man, after hearing so many different people play this rhythm, you know, that you're yeah. talking about now, and I've always had a hard time playing in three and in six, you know, and I was telling Shadia, I was like, man. I, f I feel less African because, you, you know, it was like in America, we play in four, four. So I remember learning to play in three and le learning to play in, in six and, you know, these uh triple meters versus duple. It was always difficult to me. And then come here to watch everybody just like. And even, and even in Western music, like we think when we think of three, four, we actually think in duple meter. Right, right, right. Hey, one, two, or one and two and three and one. And it's, right. I mean, it's three, but it's not a true triplet meter. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even six, eight, like really we're thinking in four, right? Because it's just easier for us to hit. Let's not get too technical. I dig but, that. But, but, but I mean, no, but. This is important though because when when you hear a lot of these smaller groups that he that he showed us, you'll it's an instinctual thing. It's it's a part of the culture of it's how they hear music, mm -hmm. and you hear that you hear that through most of the traditional music and even in like a lot of cover bands. I mean, sometimes they might like flub changes or whatever, but that rhythm, you know, you can hear a little bit of a. A, a dialect in the rhythm right in the same vein man hearing that you know i was like man that's what was lost like you know just the the melody that they were singing with mm -hmm. that feeling you know he's like there is nothing in african-american culture that represents that or that's similar to that now we have jazz right sure but we've moved so far along from that that it's not like, if we just started playing, you wouldn't put those two things together. You, you know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. like your parents were playing this in your house. So, you like, we don't have that instinctually in our culture. Are you and, sure about that? Well, I don't I don't think we do, man. At least, I don't. Like Not, 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 like, not in the gospel music? It's The thing is, it's buried so deep at this point. Mm. Where, where it's not just that. Like, just that right there. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's in there, but it's buried deep. You have to dig it out versus something that's just a part of exactly. Mm -hmm. So wonderful. Well, uh, any uh, final thoughts on your your mecca, your my mecca, man? You know, I would say, like sure. I said earlier, I was like, everyone needs to everyone needs to go to Africa, man, and like uh, especially if you're African American or if you you have a slave descendant, you're a descendant of a slave in America. 
you need to go to Africa so that you will know. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. if you go and you hate it, okay, cool. But at least you went, you checked it out, you met the people. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. went to a the, the place uh, your ancestors were from, and it'll give you a better understanding of who you are as a person. You know? And, uh, oh, I have, actually, you know what? I thought of a question. Okay. If you were to go back, mm. like, tomorrow, okay, what would you do? Like I said before, or 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 or, or what do you what do you wish that you had done when you were out there? <laughs> There's only one thing I wish I had done when I was out there is I wish that I would have tipped more mm-hmm. and loved the people who I met a little more. Like I wanted to give to them, and I and I never felt like it was enough, you know. So mm-hmm. I would have come into because I'll tell you a story. We get to the airport johannesburg and there's a porter you know you know about these porters yeah and like <laughs> mad aggressive yeah they're mad aggressive so this little guy he's probably 54 like my dad's age you know somewhere mm-hmm. in there and he's like okay i'll help you to your gate and i'm like okay cool like i'm no green problem. bro like sure and i'm glad he did though because we would have missed our flight if it weren't for him really and yeah because the you know sometimes the signs are wrong so like the board was wrong with our flight information mm. But he knew another way to get it. Like, he gave it to this other guy. Anyway, he got it for us. And as we're walking to the gate, briskly, because we got, like, five minutes before the flight leaves, <laughs> he's uh, he's like, man, you know, just give me a tip I'm going to be happy with. But I didn't have any money. I had, like, $5 USD in my pocket. That mm-hmm. was it. You know, I didn't have any cash. And I was like, look, man, I don't have any I don't have any cash. He was like, it's okay. Like, USD is fine. And, and I was like, okay. And so I gave him the $5 bill, and he was elated because yeah. it's – it, that was a lot of money for a him. serious money and and i was kind of like man like oh well i could have given him a lot more and my life would not have changed and so i wish and i didn't realize it until the end of my trip because this is the first african i come in contact with you know mm-hmm. and i wish i would have been more generous to mm-hmm. everyone around me because they needed they needed it you know, like I had a waiter who was in college and he was talking to telling me how difficult it was for him just to go to school. Like, you know, yeah. like just the struggle of him a, a getting an education in in this in his own land, you know, which I can relate to. We all can. Cause, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's all it's all struggle. Yeah. So anyway, that's the one thing I, I, if I went back, like I said before, when I do go back, I'm going to find a way to give because this time I felt like I took. Do you feel like. There are some lessons from your experience in South Africa you could bring back here. Oh, yeah, man. What's that? This is the thing. I'm back home now, and everything has been put into perspective, you know. Like, things that I thought were important before are no longer important to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, my whole life, music has played uh, a certain role in my life. Mm -hmm. And my younger self, music, probably, you guys probably heard me say this on my podcast before, like, music was God for me. Mm. nothing else mattered but as i progress in life and as i go through things like you know uh being married being divorced going mm. to africa you know or the first time i went to europe and the first time i went to japan like you know south america you go to all these places and you get bombarded with cultures and ideas and thoughts you get into discussions with people about politics and you become more quote-unquote woke or enlightened right absolutely so this trip enlightened me even more to the point where I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm like, oh, that's not important. This is important. 
you know, like how I'm more focused on giving, like how can I add value so that I can give to my community? You see what I'm saying? How can you be the cause of the matter? There it is. So that's what Africa did to me. It hyper-focused me more so than I already was to be uh, a catalyst for change. Mm. Interesting. And and, and uh, it's funny how sometimes we get wrapped up in taking pictures and forget about the moment. Right. Man, there were times where I was like, I'm not taking a picture of this. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have this in my memory or in my imagination to look over later than to have a picture because it would ruin the moment. It would ruin me taking in what I needed to take in, you know? So. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you have it. Darian Douglas, ladies and gentlemen. Noah Jackson. Noah, thanks for having me on the Working Artist Project. Thank you for having me as a host. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, hopefully you'll come in in, and, you know, do more shows and interview more people and, you know, I don't have to be here and you got it and, you know, people like you and, yeah, and if you haven't checked it out yet, they got to check out your show. But we we listen to some music. <laughs> I want to. Call, I, I'm, I'm calling that series now the listening party. Listening so, party. Yeah, so we're gonna be doing more listening party episodes later. You know, I love that. Yeah, and I feel like you know it gives a very good snapshot into just how we think and conceive of music. You mm-hmm. know, uh, many people when we ask people like, "What's your favorite music?" It's like, "Well, everything." It's like, "Okay, but that's not what I asked you." Right. Like, why do you feel this way about this? And right. so I think that's a, that was a pretty good episode where we got into that. Yeah, we had a fun time, man. All right. Man, thank you, Noah. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to The Working Artist Project. Before you go, I need you to do a few more things. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on iTunes and Facebook. I would love to connect with each and every one of you. It would also be awesome if you guys could check out my Patreon page. The link will be in the description. Each week, I will recognize one of my patrons at the end of this podcast. If you want to find out how to get your name called, click the link below. Become a patron. I'll catch you guys later. Peace.